Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. the Celtic State of Mind Friday Bulletin. Today is the day we will hear Brendan Rodgers speak to the media. We heard his first comments last night when he was speaking to Celtic TV. You're not going to get the most sort of cutting-edge stuff from Celtic TV. It's all very safe. But when he's faced with the media today, later on, for Albion attendance, it will be something you really need to tune into. It'll be very interesting to see what Rodgers has got to say if anyone confronts him on how he left the club. It'll be must-watch, if you want to call it that. But I want to go to his interview last night to start off, because hearing his first real comments since coming back to the club, it was something we all wanted to keep an eye on. I watched the full 10 minutes of the interview. They emphasised his commitment to being an attacking team, an aggressive team, and being a winning team, which it's providing the continuity that we're all looking for, not veering too far from what Ange built at the club. And what Celtic needed was a manager who can build upon the success. We've got a manager to do that in Brendan Rodgers. It seems like he's going to be playing the football that they'll suit the players as well, won't he, Lloyd? Yeah, definitely. He's... Brendan's smart in what he's saying in that interview. I think yeah, I think he knows fine well. It's in... The club's got to be play it a little bit safe with what he's saying as well. So it's kind of maybe been edited a little bit. But... He's committed to playing attacking football, so that's a good sign because it's still we've got the players there to continue playing that good expansive brand of football. So should be interesting to see what he's got to say later on. That'll be interesting to see how he develops a lot of our attacking players as well because mm-hmm. the team isn't the finished article, which speaks levels to this team and how scary the future could be for the other teams in the league. You've got a lot of our attackers, they aren't at the top of their game yet. Guys like Abada, you could say Jota's still got levels to go up. Even in the midfield, there's lots of players that could go up a few levels. But Brian, I want to stick on the attack for now. Do you think there's any players in particular that could really thrive under Brendan Rodgers in that attack? And how do you expect the sort of forward line to fare next season? Well, I think the, the two key ones for me are Jota and Abada. I was re-watching some of the clips of Brendan Rodgers' games before and looking at Scotts and Clary and even James Forrest. Jimmy Forrest, people forget it was under Rodgers that he really started scoring a lot of goals and he actually started playing almost as a second striker with somebody who was out wide. And the system really benefited him. And I just think if he can apply that same sort of logic and training a Jota and a Bada, I mean, they've already got very, very successful goal scoring and assist strikers already. I think under Rodgers, they could really go at a different level. And I think you've seen, like, Abada is so ruthless, but he doesn't, he doesn't play all the time. 
And I don't know if he's, it's because he's maybe not really that kind of dribbling mile that Ange liked. Whereas with Rodgers, you might find he's more direct and, and wants him to cut inside more, which I think would suit him. Same with Jota. I mean, you saw Jota score an absolute belter of a free kick when we get battered off Real Madrid. But I don't think he's scored one since. So he's going into his tank, but it's not been fully um, sort of cultivated. So I'm looking forward to think those two in particular were really strong. Also, there's question marks over a bad is even going to be here. I would hope he is. But for the purpose of the argument, I'll assume he is. Um, and I'm also really excited to see what happens with O and see how he develops and he plays. Um, I think he's got such good quality, such rawness about him that a few of the players in the team have. And I'd like to see under Brendan's coaching how that could really thrive and, and really see the best out of him. Yeah, I think O was a player that I immediately thought of when Rodgers was first getting linked with the job. O could definitely go up a few levels because he's not really played as often since January like a lot of the players who came in in January. But in the spells that we've seen him, he's looked, he's looked very good. His, his goals-to-game ratio is fantastic. I thought it was a poor performance from Celtic all around, but when we played Hibs away, that was up in the press area. And O was the player that stood out the most to me as... Mm-hmm. So, out of all those fringe slash rotation players who'd come into the team, I think O was the one that really took his chances the best. But I want to go back to Abada for a second. There's, there's some question marks around his future, Lloyd. Do you think his future lies at Celtic next season? He's still young. He's still got things to do at Celtic, I, I think. I would like to think so. I would like to think so, especially with a brand new manager coming in. It's because I think there was little rumours going around in January that he fell out with Ange. And that, so obviously, new manager, new fresh start, could come in, probably kickstart his career again. And I, I generally do, like Brian says, I think Abada could kick on massively under Rodgers. He just likes to play that with his fingers cutting in all the time. And they're more involved in the game as well, rather than just kind of hugging out at the touchline a little bit. So I think Abada could be really, really good under Brendan Rodgers. The thing is, with Abada, there's going to be a lot of suitors because of the type of player he is. Mm-hmm. When you look at modern wingers, guys like Salah and Manny, the guys that jump out to me, they're expected to get goals, they're expected to get lots of assists. The numbers are always exponentially high. So when Abada was starting basically every game last season, you saw how high up his numbers were for a 20-year-old. So you've got to think teams will be interested. I think Ajax was the team that got reported. And I've mentioned a few times his agent was... Josip Juranovic's agent before, who was touting Juranovic to every single team in Europe. So I'll be expecting something very similar with Abada this summer. But another thing Brendan Rodgers mentioned that I found was an interesting little bit, they met up with Cal McGregor in Mallorca. They revealed that. The connection between the player and the manager, Brian, it seems to be very strong. And it's always important to see those two working sort of hand in hand. How important do you think his connection with Rodgers will be to success, particularly in the early stages as well, having sort of someone he can trust in the Celtic squad? Well, I think it's going to be key. I mean, if you think of it from the players' perspective that are there, whenever there's a new manager, usually there's new coaching staff, players are shifting about, they're in a bad place. The team's been doing well and, you know, and it's no, I don't mean this to sound the way it does, but Brendan Rodgers, pedigree as a manager, if you're a player's far more attractive than Angie's would have been. And they look at the job Ange done, so they would think, well, Brendan comes in, we can be even better. Plus, you've got Callum McGregor there, who's already been under him, saying, no, 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 he's a great guy, he's going to do this, this is how he's going to do it. And you've also got Kennedy and stuff all still there. So most of the structure's still the same. It's just Rogers that's coming in. And I'm not going to get into the argument on, is he an upgrade on Ange, because I don't think that's fair. But I think in the players' eyes, you've got to be excited about Rogers coming in, especially given his success before it's it's a proven track record and it's a proven track record of developing players so they've got to go over a minute about that and I think from Roger's perspective having your captain on side a really influential player telling the other players you love it this is what we probably want us to do this is how we want to play this is how we want to train he can then tell Rogers, oh listen so-and-so likes this way of training so-and-so likes that way of training so-and-so had an argument with the last manager you know these are the type of things they enjoy they don't this is the culture of the team I think that's all really, really important. And I think it what it really shows for me is just how important Cal McGregor is to the club in general. I think the fact that the club trusted him to go over and speak to Brendan because I would imagine they would have, they would have had to ask permission to go. 
I don't think it would just have meant of his own volition or just a call for Brendan. I don't think you know club managers would do that. <clears throat> Sorry, club captains would do that. So it shows the faith they've got. You've seen in interviews, he's an excellent speaker. He's an excellent leader. And I think it's just another strength. His boat really shows how influential he's going to be longer term. And I think you can compare him to the influence Scott Brown had when he was at Celtic under Rodgers. I mean, Rodgers transformed his career. And, you know, I saw something a while ago, I came in who was talking about it, but the team always played better with Scott Brown in it. And I don't think it was necessarily because of his abilities as a player. It's what he brought. You know, Gordon Stratton always said, if you can't have a good game, be a good teammate. He says, you always want to look at players who you want to be in the trenches with. And I think when players look over at Scott Brown, they saw that. And I think it'll be the same when they look over at Carl McGregor. Yeah, Carl McGregor's the sort of player where if the team's back's against the wall, he can really sort of drag the squad back up and bring them to new levels. And even it's not even just on the park or behind the scenes. It's the stuff he does outside the club as well. All of the charity work, all of these media events, Kelly McGregor's always there. He's always representing the club to high standards. Not on the international level as well. Scoring against Georgia during the week, he's just a brilliant servant to the club for perhaps the last decade. Lloyd, just among sort of Celtic players of the last decade, we've seen lots of players come by. Where does Kelly McGregor rank among the players of the last decade? Is he up there alongside Scott Brown for you? Or whereabouts would you rank him? Yeah, yeah, he's got to be. Yeah, he's he's up there with Scott Brown. He's you do see the impact it has amongst the whole club. I, I think every player, anytime they do an interview, Cal McGregor's the first name that comes out, best trainer, and that at all times he sets the example. So he's he has basically took that role on Scott Brown, and he's ran with it completely because he's just he's fantastic. Like the two you say as well, he does all the charity work, always turns up for international games. He's just literally the ultimate professional. Yeah, it's all about setting the standards for Cal McGregor. Mm-hmm. It really raises the levels, especially in training. When you see the sort of feature videos they do on the Celtic YouTube channel, they always tout Cal McGregor. He's the best trainer. He's just a good person to have around the squad. And we're adding to that midfield as well. Yesterday, we brought in Odin Thiago home, another midfielder, into the club. I thought the midfield was pretty stacked already. When we've been analysing the squad and looking at whereabouts you want to improve... In this transfer window, not really many people have mentioned midfielder. It's all been goalkeeper, defender or other positions. Do you think, Brian, the midfield is a bit too stacked? No, I think that actually, I think Moy was going to probably go be someone that's going to get replaced. I think just his age, there's been a lot of things about retirement, you're never really sure. There's also question marks over Turnbull. So if you look at Iwata and McGregor, it's the sixes. You only got eight and a ten to replace Moy and Turnbull, probably. So I think Odin coming in, even if one of those two still stay... Yeah, do you think, uh, Lloyd, with... What, what happened there, James? <laughs> I think since he's said that, James, they're not happening. The Gremlin's in the machine. I think Brendan Rodgers has hacked that song. Yeah. My Wi-Fi was going uh, just a wee bit mental there. That's all right, it's all right, forgive you. No, so, I was just saying, I think that... Yeah, I don't think there's an overabundance. I don't think you can ever have too many good players. And I think that it's the type of players that you, you've seen. I think Odin, for the little YouTube research I've done, which I'm sure everybody's watched the same video a million times, um, I think he's going to fit into that midfield quite well. Yeah, and I think bringing in another midfielder, to which I thought already was a bit of a stacked midfield, it would suggest that Rodgers would be going back to playing with two defensive midfielders, going back to that double pivot. Which, Lloyd, do you think home, if he comes, I think he would be starting there alongside Callum McGregor. It's a good player to learn from. Or do you think it's Tomoki Iwata's position to really make his own alongside Callum McGregor? I think at the minute, uh, Iwata holds the jersey for the double pivot role perfectly. Um, he could come in challenge right enough, but I think the lad is going to need to really work hard at this pre-season and if he's wanting that jersey off Awata because Awata really has impressed in that position especially when he came on during that Rangers game and he kind of did change the game a little bit so it's also going to be interesting if he does use the double pivot role and also you're going to have him another midfielder sitting in the number 10 position so that it's going, that itself is going to be interesting because who then would get into that role as well so it's yeah, it is trying to work it all out in that at the minute but it's a. It's really going to be a really good, exciting preseason. I think having McGregor and Iwata there as well, it provides a mm-hmm. bit more steel, a bit more solidity for the European games, especially. 
But with home coming in, it just adds another body and it sort of it's a good signing philosophy to have for Celtic as well. It's the way Celtic should be operating in the transfer window, Brian. When you look at teams that you would think are around their level, a team like an Ajax, a Porto, a Benfica, similar sort of size of fan base, but they're outside of the top five leagues, not getting as much money as those teams with the bigger TV, the bigger TV deals. Do you think these are the signings Celtic should be making? These younger players, the sort of gambles, if you want to call them that, but with the sell-on value is there. When you keep on following that philosophy over and over and over, you're just making more money and even more money. Yeah, it's the, the thing we should be following. The only thing is, you, I mean, if you compare it to Ajax, no people say, oh, similar sizes, blah, 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 but they can spend 30 million on a 19-year-old and throw them right into the team and, and then see the develop and then sell them for 50, 60, 70. We can't do that. So we're sending a guy two and a half million, might sell him for eight. So still a big investment, but the, your top 19-year-olds in the world, you know, you've got Man City, Bayern, Barcelona, Real, these are all scouting the same, trying to find the same players and the same model. So we have to sort of, I think guys like, you know, maybe the 22, 23, maybe the next big things that didn't quite make it, like your Jotas, like your Haxabanovic's, they're the ones you find Abada could be key. Um, he's a good find like that and Odin hopefully will be the same, but the thing with uh, Odin is he is only 20 years old and obviously the player profile fits our way of playing but he's, quite, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the most powerful. So you think he's going to have a period of time to adapt as well. So I don't think he puts too much pressure on him. I don't think he's going to be the type of... I think there'll be a few marquee signings coming in. I feel like that's more Rogers' MO. Be a couple of these guys to sort of maybe buy their potential. I get the impression we. The, the way it seems to work based on Roger's comments is, you know, Mark Wall is very much a de facto director of football. He's sort of scouting and saying, these are player models we like, and then present them to Rogers, and he's picking from that. Um, like a really fancy Argos catalogue, which is where he's playing. <laughs> um, that, that feels like what's probably happening. Um, so, yeah, so it's exciting to see, but I think any ch- chance to sign potentially a player of high value, I think it's a good one. And considering Juventus tried to scan him, I think, two years ago, he didn't want to go, he wanted to stay and play football. It's a good sign, so we'll see. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I think you've got a bit more confidence in Celtic signing players like this now than you would have had about two years ago. So you think with Mark Lowell, so I've overseen the transfers, you're a bit more confident that this isn't going to be a gamble who's going to end up in the MLS or in the Israeli league two years later. You're a bit more confident with it. But Rogers did mention how much the recruitment strategy has changed since he was at the club. There's no more of this bargain bin dipping. It's, there's money to spend. Rogers has been given that $30 million. Stephen Ray, the nod to Mark Hall and Michael Nicholson regarding the scouting and recruitment department told me the club were all of the signings we made in the fans that wasn't from Japan. Do you think this change of direction and the transfer market Lloyd do you think that could inspire Rodgers to stay a little bit longer than you would originally think it's a three year deal already but now he knows that the promising signs are there and he is a Celtic fan so he's going to have a bit more of a connection with the club do you think that could encourage him to stay around a bit longer it could do it's I think he's probably getting a little bit excited by it as well the fact that the club has changed their model slightly since he was last there because you read the comments that he made regarding the recruitment strategy you look back now, if we're still dipping it in that Asia market and then we're looking at other markets as well on top of that, then we're not just focusing on the kind of has-beens of the Premier League kind of thing, we're just looking straight towards right young prospects, bring them in, look at a good sell-in value and then maybe, obviously, a little marquee signing here and there as well. So it is good standing forward for the club as well. So it, it could maybe want to stay that little bit longer especially if the club does progress that little bit in Europe, which you talked about as well. So, 
Yeah, but the players I look, we looked at in attack, I want to turn to the midfield now. There's a couple of players I think could be in for a very big season. One of them, I think, is Matt O'Reilly. I think Rodgers, he's got a track record for developing players, especially the midfielders. You look at guys like McGregor and Armstrong, Scott Brown, as Brian mentioned. If Rodgers... Um, do you think he's going to have a massive impact on Matt O'Reilly? We know his ceiling, I would argue, is probably the highest in the Celtic squad. Do you think Matt O'Reilly could be in for a massive season this year? I hope so. I think, you know, I spoke long about how I, I think he's excellent. I think he's got unlimited potential, Matt O'Reilly. I think you've shown it for flashes. I think he was a wee bit inconsistent towards the end of the season. He did a bit of dip in form. You need to remember, he... We made the Champions League experience. He dropped into that number six role. He won't perform fairly well. Got by the match against... Yeah. Yeah. He didn't play every game of the season. Still got most assists in the league. Now, he could be getting the shooting boots on. But again, that's something that can maybe add to his game. I think as well, if you look at him, he's got the physicality to, to go to one of the sort of big leagues. You know, he's, a, he's a big, strong guy. And I think they like that. And he's at a good age as well. He's only 21 still. or just turning 22. So I think that's really important. Just to pick on uh, up on something Lloyd said there, just put the, you know, uh, sorry, no Lloyd, the comment about the Japanese players coming in. We made the assumption that Ange was the one that brought them to the club because he came from Japan. But Mark Lowell had scouted Ange from Japan. So there's nothing to suggest he wasn't already looking in that market anyway. And then presented these semi-sans saying, look, what do you think these guys, do you know them? How are they going to fit into the culture? So I'm not trying to rubbish Ange's contribution, but I think that and what I'm hoping is we'll see evidence coming up this summer that actually the club is in control of these things and these signings are influenced by the manager, obviously. But they're, um, they're well picked out, they're well scouted and it's a really efficient way of doing it because you talk about Rogers maybe staying longer. I don't see him staying any longer than three years and I'm largely all right with it. But I think that the reason I'm okay with it is because the infrastructure, as Rogers mentioned, seemed a lot better and a lot slicker and it's less key dependent on the manager. So when you look at the way Rogers left the first time, the place fell apart. Mm-hmm. It just it went to, to ruin. And there was rumours when Ange first came in, he was very unhappy at the state, the, the, the club, the training facilities, the infrastructure, and that's how he tried to change it as well. Rogers came in now is happy with it, which shows that if and when Rogers does go, in theory, that structure, those player signings, those good players we've got, the should signings should still be there and the attack players, then the manager fits the mould, as opposed to the other way about. Yeah, I remember when Andy first came in and he was doing his press conference with Dominic Mackay, all of the talk was about modernising the club. And it seems like the club is back to the state where it wants to be, as long as Celtic keep making smart appointments after Brendan Rodgers, the manager after the manager after Brendan Rodgers, as long as this is still top quality managers and you're building upon the success, like I mentioned at the start of the show, then... There's no reason why Celtic should be falling apart like they did a few years ago. But I want to stick on the midfield. There's a player, if Rodgers does go with a number 10, it could mean a big season for a player I'm a big fan of, David Turnbull. He's not seen many minutes. People would argue he didn't really fit Ange's system, but he was one of Ange's most trusted players when Ange first came in. Turnbull was the form player heading into that season when Ange first came into Celtic. And from play around September to December when he got that injury he was I think he played the most minutes of any player on Andrew's team mm-hmm. I think if called upon Turnbull could still have a future here because he's too good to be sitting on the Celtic bench he could be in and around the team at a high level championship team or even a lower level Premier League team and he'll have his own ambitions as well I don't think he's a Celtic fan he, he's not going to be one of those players who's just content with sitting on the bench so like he'll have his own ambitions to get into the Scotland setup. Do you think Rodgers will give Turnbull a bit more of a look in or do you think his futures lie somewhere else? I think you need to take into consider is it 12 months he's got left in his deal as well? So if there's no new contract talks or anything like that, do you try and sell him now as well? You get a little bit of money back on him or do you keep him and let him run his contract down? So he does probably want to start thinking about his future at the minute because obviously Brendan's now come in you might see him in that number 10 role, but I also think Haksabanovic might just slot right in there and make a really big impact this coming season. Yeah, Haksabanovic is one of the players who he really needs to prove himself. I think we paid was it mm-hmm. around two and a half million pounds for him. Two, yeah, it was. I've not really had it repaid yet. Brian, do you think a move to the middle of the park could be 
something that Sabanovic could need because he seems like a bit of an impact player at the moment. Whenever he starts games, he seems to really be anonymous. He really goes missing. Like There was a spell around about February or March. There's about two or three games in a row. He'd come off the bench, really impressed. Everybody's raving about Haxabanovic. Then he starts away to Hearts at Tynecastle in the Scottish Cup and he's completely anonymous, completely missing. Do you think a move to the middle of the park would suit his play style and you think it's something Rodgers would look to as well? Yeah, I think he's definitely more a number 10 than he is a winger, to be honest. Um, I think that you can see the type of player he is, he's, you know, the way he dribbles, the way he picks in and out. He's better running, almost running for slightly deeper through as opposed to getting the ball wide because it, it can slow up play a little bit at times. But we also need to remember he's only 23. He's had quite a nomadic career and he never had a pre-season. So I think we need, you can see there's a player there. I think he just maybe needs a pre-season under him to see how he gets on. But there's absolutely no reason he can't drop into midfield or play behind the striker. I think you mentioned earlier about the double pivot thing. I don't think Rodgers will do that domestically. But I would imagine he'll do it in Europe. Yeah. So I think that domestically you may see variations of that midfield. Mm-hmm. You remember his first season, he did tend to rotate the midfield quite a lot. Sometimes you'd Brown, McGregor, Roderick, somebody Brown, Armstrong, uh, Roderick or McGregor. So he did switch about a bit. Somebody played the double pivot and Beaton and Brown were there. Even McGregor just been so there's a there's a few variants and I think you see that. And I think it goes back to my earlier point why I don't think you can have too many good midfielders because I suspect the way he operates in that middle will change. We probably won't change as he doesn't tend to invert the fullbacks. So they'll be bombing straight up and down, get to the byline and firing crosses in. And then your wingers can either come inside the second strikers or just rotate with them outside as well. So I think guys like Haxivanovic, you may see a difference in that when the space opens to go for the right people. Under Angie's, it tends to be quite a lot through the middle and then low crosses into the box. I think you see a difference in, in forming that. And then players that we think maybe... I think there were players that played really well under Angie's that I don't think well under Brendan. I, I imagine we're going to come to it, but I think, we've mentioned before, I think Taylor might struggle a wee bit just because he doesn't quite have the pace or athleticism to track back. Domestically, it's fine, but he will get caught out in Europe. Whereas he's ideal for the inverted role. As we saw, he was absolutely excellent. And you might find Dralston maybe benefits actually from just that traditional because he has a good cross to the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see who does well and who doesn't. Um, at the players, I think there'll be a few surprises. Yeah, most of Ralston's highlights from the last sort of two years at the Celtic have been where he's been hitting the byline and getting the cross, and it was his assists numbers that were probably the standout and the biggest improvement in his game. I had a, on sort of surface level, I had a bit of worries about Greg Taylor and how he would fare in this system, but the more I think about it, he's developed into a much smarter player. His game has come on leaps and bounds, but I don't know if just a change to hitting the byline again could really affect him too much. It's the but, it's more, it's more he's, he's trying. So I agree with that. I think Taylor's class. Hmm. I think he's he was my player of the year just because I think he was the most improved as well as being one of the most consistent. But my, my only worry is, and you saw it a few times this season, he does get caught a lot bit on the break. So it's not really his ability, I would question. It's just that extra bit of athleticism that may be required. Now, I hope I'm wrong, because I'm a big fan of his. I think he seems like a cracking guy as well. And he's actually spot on. But it, it does concern me. Not, not that Ralston's best replaced, but I think Johnson will thrive in the traditional wing-back as well. Because I don't think that the inverted really suited him as much. Yeah, you would imagine in Europe it would be where Taylor would struggle the most. When you've got a Vanessa Jr. running at you, someone like that, it's going to be really hard. But I thought he didn't do too, do too bad in Europe last season. I thought he really battled to make up for perhaps what he lacks in pace. He made up for it in fight and grit to really try and help the team. But we were talking about Hak Sabanovic. I want to sort of continue on the topic of players, Lloyd, who might have a bit of a make-or-break season. Players who really have to prove themselves if there's someone in this team who's got to prove their money's worth, I think it's Alexandro Bernabe. I was, I had a lot of high hopes when he first came in because you see, he had all the sort of things you'd be looking for an exciting player, 22 years old, Argentinian, young player coming abroad. It's a sort of nation we haven't really had anyone from before. So I had a lot of excitement and anticipation to see what he would do. If his left back was the position last year, we all wanted to improve. And he's not really shown the qualities we were looking for. He's looked 
very raw. Most of his sort of positives seem to be going forward. Do you think you could see some improvements from Bernabe, some more game time next season? I would like to say so, but for me, I don't think he's going to cut it. It's especially for, what was it, 4.2 million or something we bought him for? Yeah, it's about 4 million. was just over three and a half pounds. Yeah, so you come in with that price tag and you look at players that we bought for that as well because I think we bought Kyogo for roughly around about the same. Johnson for life. Yeah, so it's, to me, if he is going to get game time under Brendan, then he, he really does need to step up to the mark now because I don't think he's going to get another crack at it this year to be honest, because he's, like you said, James, he's good at going forward, but defensively it worries me. See, I slightly disagree about the, the, the Bernabe. So, I don't think he played enough to really super like mm-hmm. John. I think some of the games he played in was when the whole team was rotating, and that didn't help anybody. There was a lot of players never no, showed up And I think... Even when the warning signs first came up about Bernabe, though, it was at the start of the season, when the team was still a bit more settled and it wasn't a complete rotation... I don't know if it's just because he was in amongst so much quality. When you make a slack pass or you make a simple mistake, it stands out a lot more. When every single player in the team's on their game, putting a seven out of ten apart from you, I think he's got. Yeah, remember, he's nineteen years old. He's nineteen years old when he signed, and he's playing. Mm-hmm. He's playing in the Verde Bullback role. He's never played before, and I think yeah. he was caught defensively. And I agree with you. I think he has been raw, and I think his decision making, you know, needs to improve. But he's nineteen, and I think. He's older than that. He's he's 23, 22, 23. Ah, he's, I thought he was 19. Aye, ah, yeah, I don't check that James, but either way, a lot of times he was caught in a position where he was pulling inside. He, he, he didn't seem to quite grasp the. Whereas in any one on one situations, he's actually no bad defensively. And he has got a really good cross. So, and I think he's got the athleticism. Now, I don't know if he'd be necessarily the answer to the left back issue, but I think he stands a good chance. And I think if anybody's going to get the best of him, it would be Rogers. However, I would concede that if he's not playing consistently for the first few months, I don't think he'll play. But I think the criticism of the moment is, is a wee bit harsh. Uh, James, you're right, he's 23. Yeah, John Paul II has brought up a player that I was just about to bring up, Yuki Kobayashi. I think I've, it was his first appearance where I thought he, he could be quite good. He was playing on his preferred left-hand side of the centre-back a duo and he was passing out quite well he looked like a really good ball playing defender but it was sort of towards the end of the season he was the player that was getting all the stick Brian he was he looked nervous set pieces he was getting caught out of position all the time he was getting bullied off of the likes of Lauren Shankland and Kevin Nisbet which if you want to make it at Celtic you can't be letting those guys sort of bully you really do you think there is some worries over Yuki Kobayashi we did get him for a free so it's not going to be a financial loss. But do you think he could have a part to play next season? Do you think, or do you think there's improvements that need to be made in his game? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think my worry is just the physicality of it. You know, I think he's really, really confident with the ball at his feet. And I think he was good for Angie's system. And that's where I've seen, I think, this players that maybe done well under Angie that might not under Rogers. I'm a wee bit concerned that. Fullbacks that aren't the biggest. Basically, we've got the low cut of Vickers is an absolute unit. He's like 5'11. I think Starfield's maybe just scraping six foot. He's the aerial presence, though. Starfield. They complement each other. I did by they do, but how many defenders can you have like that? Kobe Ash is not that good in the air. He's not that strong. He's not that tall. 
So I just don't know how ultimately he fits in. And the only thing the Starfelt would say is that he might be the real presence, but he does get caught under the ball quite a lot. You know, he, he does try to win everything and sometimes he gets caught under it. Curtis Mean absolutely threw him about like a wet tracksuit. <laughs> so he says, knows that he's not the answer either. I think we should be looking further ahead. I think anything you, you saw Starfelt and Kobayashi play together, it was never that great. Now, no Starfelt's, I think the, the, the defence of Starfelt's always that um, he's played he's not lost a league game he's playing next to Carter Vickers but he's lost a couple when he's not played next to Carter Vickers so I think the common denominator is Carter Vickers so <laughs> I would be doing cartwheels about uh, staff out at the moment although I, I do think he's a good defender and I think he might be better for Rodgers than for Ange actually because I think sometimes Ange asking for too much with the ball at his feet but either way we still need a sort of bigger more physical presence I think at the back I don't think Kobe Ash is it yeah, I think Cameron Carter-Vickers, he really makes the Celtic defence. Celtic could line up for a game with us three and Carter-Vickers at the back and would probably still keep a clean sheet. He he just does everything for the team. But I want to move from defence to attack. I want to go back to some transfer news. We get linked with a winger from Gang 1 FC in South Korea, Yang Hyun-jun. Um, his team's near the relegation zone. They, they seem unwilling to part ways at this stage, which seems to have annoyed the player. There's been some recent comments from him the club rejected a move to the MLS for him. I, can't, I think it was a few weeks ago. It might have been back in January. And they would have denied him the chance to move abroad again after it was apparently promised a move to Europe. It seems another attacker, another winger. Brentford are interested. And I think if a team like Brentford or Brighton are interested in the same player as you, it usually spells good things considering how good their recruitment policies are. Because um, they are, they go into the real untapped markets and they find all the hidden gems. We've had success in the Asian market already, Lloyd, and it's it's nice to see we're not really turning our eyes away from it following Andrew's departure. And it's nice to see we could be getting another winger as well, which is one of the positions you would think we would have to improve. Yeah, it's one of the positions I would like us to improve on as well. If it's, is it a right winger? I'm sure, James. So, yeah, I think it's a right winger. Yeah, yeah, right winger. Yeah, so that's the kind of position that you need to kind of get a bit of backup for as well. So. But I've I seen some comments, obviously, just before we came on that the player really isn't happy because he was promised the move to MLS in July. So it could be what to keep an eye on kind of thing. That, and like you said as well, Brentford are looking at I think they use data analysis to scout their players as well. So that's kind of a good move if we're going down that route. They're kind of signing these Asian players as well, using the data analysis aspect of it because I think that also highlights what they're potential is as well so if the potential is good in the player then that way you kind of bring them in before Premier League clubs snap them up Yeah I always like when I'm looking at a young player seeing how many games I've played at 21 years old he's played 67 games already that's always a positive sign because with young players with someone like Burnaby for example they're often quite raw there's quite a lot of work needing to be done but if um, Yang Hun Jun's already got the maturity and he's got a good head on his shoulders. He could be a real player to watch for the future. We need to see how this move grows legs over the next few days. But Brian, it's it would be another winger coming into the club. That would mean now we have Jota Maeda on the left hand side, Abada, James Forrest, and then if he comes in, Yankee on Jun on the right. Do you think any more work's needed with the wings, or perhaps even up front where we've got Kyogo and all? I think I'd be getting another right winger. I don't think you need any more than that. Um, I'm glad you keep saying his name and no me, James. Because <laughs> I'd be baffled if he's stumbling over it and just offending people right, left and centre. Um, but I, I think probably another attacker's needed. But again, it depends what happens with Abada. Uh, Vata's one, but they can't see what happens with him as well. I would imagine you see more of Vata than you would of Forrest. Even um, Rogers sort of spoke almost in past tense about Rogers in the interview last night. You know, He's been a great servant for the club and it's like, all right, Rogers, so that might hint at his future lives. Um, although I don't imagine he'd go anywhere. Um, so, yeah, it'd be good to see another player coming in. And as I said earlier, you can't have enough good players. It's just, uh, it's always funny to me. I always think about it Rogers when uh, Sped signed. He said, I've got a million wingers, I don't need another one. <laughs> I always got a wee bit nervous when he's getting hit with players for a career he's never heard of. That's a worry. Well, he said he's not going to be learning Japanese or Korean ahead of the tour. I wonder what sort of comments or stories he'll be hitting out with on that tour. We'll need to wait and see because I imagine they'd have 
some sort of media days or a Celtic festival sort of thing over there. Uh, are you looking forward to that tour, Lloyd? Are you looking forward to seeing the content and seeing the reception that our Japanese players get over there as well? Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it, getting up at yawn time in the morning to watch Celtic play in Japan. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think Brendan also mentioned it in his interview. This isn't because we don't have Champions League qualifiers or that anymore. This is now taking brand Celtic. So it's getting the club out there and maybe getting a few supporters on the back of it as well. So, yeah, it should be good to look forward to. Yeah, Celtic aren't really helping us with the, the kick-off times of these friendlies of these tours. I've gone to Australia in January and now they're doing <laughs> to Asia. Brian, a lot of the Japanese players, they've come over here not really able to speak the language. They've been trying their best to learn the language. I think Kyogo's translator moved back to Japan recently, but he was living with Kyogo in the city. The, you've got to think homesickness would play a factor in the Japanese players at Celtic. How excited are you to see them go back home and see the reception they get? Yeah, it's, it's always good to see to see the big following. I think that I think Celtic missed a bit of a trick with some of the, the sort of Japanese Asian market in the past couple of years. I think that you know they could have easily had that a Japanese version of Celtic TV, you know, Japanese Jeremy Culligan. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and do some things like that and, and make it more partial for our audience to get more people involved because even without having Japanese players it's still a huge market that like football and if you can tap into that and, and get into that fan base it's massively lucrative so I think it's something they should be doing I did actually like the fact Roger sort of differentiated between Celtic and brand Celtic um, because I think that's something that we need to be clever about I think if you look at you know, I know we're talking that Brenders has got about 30 million to spend or whatever, but we are always a club that needs to diversify our income streams because we can't rely on just season ticket money or just this or just that. We need to get as much money as possible to keep competing and keep improving. So any any time we do something that I think is a little bit smart from a business perspective, it always gives me that confidence that they're thinking about these things and acknowledging them. I would love it if you didn't have to print tickets to go to the stadium right enough. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's nothing worse than trying to run a big library and get a run into Aston and trying to get tickets printed before you get to a yeah, game. It's ridiculous. Get, never mind Japan, get a QR code fitted. Yeah, QR I like Celtic going to the, these sort of nations that are on the rise in a footballing terms as well. Look at Japan and South Korea at the previous World Cup. I think it's the furthest I've got at a World Cup in recent years, at least. So it's, I like Celtic building up links in those countries, especially. Another thing I'm looking forward to see, I wonder if we'll have any of the Celtic players on some of the Japanese game shows. You know, if you've seen the video of um, what's it, it was Nakamura hitting the free kick into the, the bus stop, the bus window. I wonder if we'll see Jota or Cal McGregor everybody line up for something like that. Yeah, it's something it's <laughs> Don't forget we had Chad Uriah and Key doing adverts as well. <laughs> It'll be something to look forward to. Another thing to look forward to in pre-season will be how Rodgers sort of changes the team, which tactics will he go for, which players will he trust, Lloyd? Can you see any of the younger players getting a bit of a chance in pre-season? We were talking about number 10s earlier on the show. I think Ben Summers could potentially be in with a shout to get a couple yeah. of games. It all depend on which players Rodgers rates, because I imagine he'll have Steve McManus and Darnell Day in his ear, the same way they were in Angie's ear, saying these are the players you've got to watch out for. Do you think Vat and Summers and a few more? Yeah, I think that Summers, Lal, and a few more might end up going on the pre-season tour with them. I was quite impressed when Summers came on during the Aberdeen game at the last game of the season. I thought he looked really a good player in there and he could fit in, but obviously he can dislodge McGregor, O'Reilly, Mawata, so he's still got a bit to go, but he does look as if he does have something about him. It's going to be also be interesting what tactics Brendan Rodgers uses during pre-season as well, because I think he'll use multiple formations in that because obviously he'll be preparing for going to Europe because this is, seems to be the main thing now is about going for Europe because he even mentioned that in the interview last night so it, the plans will be in, set in place and we'll see maybe a few surprises Yeah, Northampton, Tim coming in here I really like Summers I think Ben Summers is one who could really have a big future at the club uh, Brian, just sticking on pre-season do you think you can read too much into these games. I think there's going to be a lot more onus on looking at the team because I remember Ange's first pre-season at the club 
who are analysing everything, even pre-season friendlies against West Ham, behind closed door games against Bristol City, we were over-analysing every single thing that was happening with the team. Do you think something similar will be happening with Rodgers? Do you think you can look too much or read too much into these games? I think we, we can look too much into everything, to be honest with football fans. I think it's just a cost. I think we always do it. We're body language experts, but he said this, we're even guessing rumours, we're looking into tactics. Ultimately, it's it's going to be what it's going to be, I think. What you might see is, that the, going back to Angie's pre-season, you did start to get a flavour of what the game might look like under Ange, and I think that was really exciting, although also the personnel totally changed, but you started to see, all right, this you can start to see a bit of an identity, so... You may see that under Rogers. Um, I would imagine you see guys like Summers Vata get a chance in pre-season because that's what it's for, really. It's kind of it's almost a last chance saloon because managers tend to go right. These are the guys that are going to be my main players. Who else could be? Let's give them a chance. I think guys like Summers and Vata need to be involved though for the quota. Yeah, I might be wrong here, but do you know like is it like five homegrown players and eight? And, and three more from the academy or something like that. Eight so in total. For sure. Aye, eight in total, three for your academy. Is that right? So Aye. We're, we're slim pickings. If James Forrest leaves or retires, then we're, we're into bums. So, <laughs> you know, especially with guys like Stephen Milsko, because then, then you might struggle a bit. So I think just it's cynical and it's it's a shame, but I think that's why you might see them in the squad more, um, just to get the numbers up. And I just I hope it also means they're good enough, but. And you will see them, it just depends on you know how it does. You may find with guys like Summers, because I, I, I agree with you, Lloyd, I, I think he's he's literally good when I've seen him. I think even in the B games, I think he, he always stood out mm-hmm. in a club of player. Again, physicality may be an issue, but you may do what Ryan Christie does and, and send him out and loan and come back a bit fuller and then uh, have a brighter career. But again, we'll just need to remain to see. But I can answer your original question, James. We're going to overanalyze everything. When we send the boy Odin, I want. YouTube scouts and try to find stats for them and it's if it's going to mark when the ball's kicked but you just can't help yourself it's like you're just anxious because you can't watch a game there's no game coming up you're just waiting for a signing so you need to occupy your mind so we win 100% and we accident built them every 10 minutes during the season I'll have my eyes out for Odin doing his his signature move the back flip with the ball in between his legs I'll be I'll be keeping my eyes out for that one but uh, I was I'll stay on. I want to stay on the youth academy. It's something I could go on about for years. I was echoing the same sentiments I echo now last year, and we're still seeing the same sort of issues. Recently, sixteen-year-old Celtic youth academy prospect Ronan Ferns on his way to Brighton. Two hundred and fifty grand is a reported fee, which is half of the fee that Motherwell got for Kevin Van Veen. It's ridiculous the fees that are getting thrown around for youth players nowadays. Uh, Ewan Otto, who was the captain of the Celtic B team at certain points, he's left for Dunfermline. Brian, the influx of Celtic youth players leaving the club before even getting a chance in the first team. It's been going on for about five, six years now, and it doesn't seem to have an end in sight. Why are these players leaving? Is the pathway just not clear enough? I think it's a perfect storm of things. So I think it depends on the player. So if you look at Ben Doak, clearly he was good enough for Celtic first team. He saw that, he's been doing well at Liverpool. He, although he's not played those, but he's, he's in amongst that, that high-level player. So I think for him, it's just the fact that he could go to a higher level than he was good enough to. I think for other guys like Koto, there's a very good chance that we're told they're not good enough. He's as well finding another club. So we, we, are, we are making the assumption that there's no pathway for these players to come and develop, but a lot of them might not be good enough. They might seem good enough. It might not work out for them. The SPFL was littered with ex Celtic youth players. And if you, if you go a bit England, it would be the same for not ex Man United youth players. Ex, all big clubs do it. You get these guys in, you try to gear, and they get to the point and they're either going to bait their way into the first team, like a Kieran Tierney, um, or they're going to go like an O2. So I, I think I don't think it's as binary as saying the academy says there's no working or there's no the chance. Or there's not a pathway. I think there's a very. I think it depends on the players. I think some players will will absolutely smash it, like Fat has been doing really well, like Summers, like Law. But the better players that just get released, and the players yes. that they go to other clubs because they're getting that chance of maybe closer to first team football. So I don't think it's any one thing to blame, and I think it's a, it's a much longer term uh, issue. I think it's got to be the right players, as you mentioned. You've got to be good enough 
to get the opportunity. But I just don't think the opportunities come up enough, Lloyd. It's the players you look at in the last sort of five, six years that have broken into the Celtic team from the academy. It's never been an opportunity that's been earned. It's always been by chance. Kieran Tierney got into the team thanks to injuries to the Celtic left backs. Cam McGregor got in. It was through a loan spell out in Notts County. And we were speaking about Johnny Kenny yesterday on the show. I can't remember why. But he performed very well in the Lowland League. Then he goes up to the Championship and it's too far a step. He doesn't get a single goal at Queen's Park. How does Celtic fix the Youth Academy? Is it a case of the chances just aren't there? The team, the onus is to win every single game. How does Celtic provide the players this opportunity? I'm not entirely sure if it's just a Celtic issue and maybe just a Scottish football issue, but I think the players aren't getting tested enough at that level. Uh, you look back years and years ago when the Reserve League was here, the, the influx of players come through the youth system then was a lot higher than what it has been now. It, now you're only expecting, I mean, you look at VAT and Summers, they're managing to get a little chance now. But back then you were getting maybe five, six players in about the first team and you probably see quite a few of them getting that first team chance. So it's about maybe a full Scottish problem that we really do need to look at the, the whole youth system and what is actually going to improve it. Because obviously they had the Conference League voting and I don't think I got put through. And obviously Aberdeen, Hearts, Rangers, they, they were all pulling their B teams out of it. So you kind of do need to look at where are these guys going to get that chance? Because if they're not going to get the chance at that actual level, are they just going to go on loan all the time? Is it? And if they don't get the chance there, they don't play, then, like you said, Brian, they're just not good enough then, and they just get released. So we really do need to start looking after the youth game as well. Yeah, something that's... Sorry, James. To your point, Lloyd, how many players play for Hearts that came through their youth ranks? How many for Hibs? How many for Aberdeen? Yeah, exactly. It's it's no it's not just a set and even if you look at England, like you know how many players in the Everton first team have come through their ranks? Well there, there's a boy for Everton today just being released who came through the ranks. So. so you see that it's no it's I think maybe in England the facility's a bit better, but it's it's a, a youth problem just in general, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest things with Scotland is the fact the league's so small. So in theory you go right to Livingston. You don't have much budget, surely just play a youth team where maybe a couple of experienced players. That's cheaper, right? But the problem is they're so scared they get relegated because it's such a, a small table that they have to get guys at 35 in that are free mm-hmm. chances for other Scottish clubs. So it, it's a difficult thing all round. Again, it's, it's it's quite a nuanced debate. It's probably one that we need to part for now and move on. But I think that it's certainly not just a Celtic problem. I think, to Lloyd's point, I think it's a Scottish football problem. I think there's a lot of factors within it. Yeah. Well, I was mentioning about how quite often chances aren't there because we have to win every single game. Can you afford to put in a player? But then on the flip side of the coin, does putting in Rocco Vata for a game against St Mirren limit Celtic's chances winning the game? I don't really think so. I thought I was frustrated towards the end of last season, not just because of some of the poorer results, but these are the games where you could give some of the younger players a chance. You're throwing in guys like Bernabe and Kobe Ash that haven't really played as well. And then you're only giving Vat or Summers about five or ten minutes. Lloyd, do you think that was a missed opportunity from Ange yeah. to the younger players of the games? Yeah, 100% it's a missed opportunity because these guys also need games under their belt as well or else they're not going to improve as players. They'll just stagnate in the team and then eventually their contract will run out and they might want to progress their career but they, won't, they might never get that move or they might want to stay at Celtic for long term but if they don't get in that chance how you'll never know what they're made of yeah Brian do you think Rogers could be the man to give a lot of the younger players a chance what did you think of how he sort of bled the youth team in, into his team the last time he was at Celtic and do you think he could give more players a chance in his next spell well I think apparently that was one of the things he wanted to do I think that was one of his conditions apparently we don't know for definite obviously but I think that was one of the conditions for coming back is that he wanted that clearer pathway and, and sort of to redevelop the, the academy system. So I think it's something that's in mind, but you hit the nail on the, the head, James, absolutely, because say you, you're, you're playing Hearts at Tynecastle and you throw in Ben Summers and you get beat. People are going to say, oh, what did you play youth player in that game for? 
Where is he going? You're like, well done for playing that youth player. Mm. Well, it's a it's a really hard thing to manage. Like you, you kind of you kind of asking for these guys to go and get a game, which I think is rightly so. But then we need to look at the criticism the players got in that last few games. We won the league and we a few real bad performances. The players get rinsed. Now, if you're putting seventeen year olds in and they're getting battered, are you going to give them the benefit of the doubt? I was sure. the that got rinsed. It wasn't. I thought Hatati had a few poor games. Yep. Towards the end of the season, and it wasn't him that was that had the target on his back. It was these players have come in and now they've played. Now we're playing. See what happens. And even look at look at James Forrest. For me, James Forrest is a Celtic legend. I don't think there's any debate to be had about it. And yet, he never, ever, ever gets mm-hmm. praise he deserved. He always got over criticised. Stephen Welsh, I think, is a better player than he's given credit for. I don't think he's good enough for Celtic. Even him, he got loads of grief. But never really done anything wrong. It's just there's always like I think that if there's some weird mentality where we kind of want guys to come through, but we really give them it. So it's, it's a middle ground thing there. I think you, quite honestly, I think you have to be better. If you're a twenty year old, so let's use Andrew McGovern for example, right? So I got it wrong being of his age. I thought he was. I thought he was younger. So given that in mind. You would think Montgomery's got a chance then because he's only 20 still. Maybe I'm not hopeful for me about that one. But Yeah, he's 20. Right, so you'd assume then he would maybe get more of a chance. I thought, he, so I thought he was older. I thought he was 22. But he would have to do more than somebody that we signed. So Odin's 20, right? Our youth players need to do far, far more right away better than this guy because they come through the ranks. But because we've paid for him, we've given yeah. him the patience. It's a weird mentality. And it's not really anybody's fault, it just is the way it is. It's, you can't help it. Yeah, I want to touch on some recent comments in the media that have caused a bit of a storm, whether it's a meltdown that's justified or not. I'm not too sure. Kyogo and Daiz Maeda were speaking to the media after Japan's win over Peru, I think it was. Kyogo said um, he, he achieved all his ambitions last season. He won all three trophies and he won Player of the Year. That seems like everything in Scottish football tied up for Kyogo, so that's what I'm reading from it anyway. He says, right now I want to have a long rest and think about things after that. Lloyd, do you read too much into that? The fact that he said yeah, he wants to think about things after he's had this break. It, it doesn't sound as concrete as what he once was before, and it's reminding me a bit of what Ange was. He was so concrete and so straightforward with everything he said. So as soon as Ange's tone or his attitude changed the tiniest little bit, you could sense something was off. Do you think it's summer with Kyogo? No, I don't actually. I think Kyogo is obviously just I'll break at the end of the season because it's been a long season for him, top goal scorer. He's worked his socks off for the team. Then obviously he's been away playing internationals and I think he'll get about a two or three week break now for that. So he probably yeah. has just want a wee rest. So it's probably just emotion after the game and then that's it, really. It's, I don't think you can really read too much into these comments. Not unless he actually does come out and say, I want to leave, then that's different. But as far as I'm concerned, Kyogo's just happy where he is. I think at his age, it's he's, it's a big season for Kyogo. This summer's going to be massive for him. That He's at a crossroads. He either stays at Celtic and becomes a legend, and that's how his career goes, or he takes the dive towards a top five league and sees if he sinks or swims. He's got a big decision to make this summer and I just hope he stays at Celtic. Dyson Maeda was also speaking. He says, I don't know where my position will be with the change of manager at Celtic, Brian. Where do you think Dyson Maeda's position at Celtic lies with the new manager coming in? He's one of the players that have been the first ones mentioned as potential question marks over them with Brendan Rodgers coming in. And the fact that Maeda's now come out and said that, I don't know if it's just natural for a player. A new Maeda's come in, we'll need to see where I'm standing with him coming. I think Maeda, he's been linked away as well. Brighton and Southampton have been linked before. Do you think he could be off this summer? Or do you think those are just sort of standard comments from a player with a new manager coming in? I think it's probably just, just the type of comments players would make. Well, you need to understand, players are cute and they need to look after themselves as well. So Kubri Keats said, if I was a player that was a summer, I was going to interview them, I hint that something, you know, there may be moves ahead and then go back to Celtic and ask for a better contract. You know what I mean? There's always these things, you know, in mind, you know, I heard Chelsea in for me, but, you know, if you give me an extra thing, I'm stay. You don't know what's going on. Like, I don't think after a game of football, we can really 
you know, get the guys and, and commit to everything they say. I don't think it's fair. But in terms of the, the futures, just in general, you know, the Kyogo's an interesting one because I think we were asked about who's the best striker since Larson. And also, I said probably the Belly's the best striker, but I, the reason I said Kyogo is because he's the one that's fitted most excellently into the system. So, like, he's literally the perfect player for the system we were playing. Yeah. We're not playing that system anymore. And is there going to be teams like a Tottenham, like an Everton, thinking, let's get five foot seven Kyogo in to lead the line against the Premier League attackers? If they're not playing that way, I don't know. Maybe. I think he's good enough to succeed wherever he goes. But I just don't know if clubs are going to be knocking down the door for a 28-year-old that never scored in Europe. Or, well, never scored in the Champions League, scored in Europe. And I'm not downgrading Kyogo, so I love him. And I want to say it for as long as he wants to stay. But I just, I don't necessarily think clubs are going to be kicking down the door to sign him. Maeda the same. Maeda's funny because I don't really know what his best position is. I don't think he's going to play as a winger under Rodgers. I just don't think he's got that, the, the, the sort of dribbling and the crossing. I think you probably play him up front if he's going to play him at all. But again, it'd be interesting to see um, where exactly he ends up. But So long answer to a, a short question there, buddy. But I just I, I think the comments don't need into too much. But the futures, I think Kyogo will be fine. Um, Yeda, we'll see. I think if Kyogo is going to move, it would be to Germany. I've mentioned before in the show, it's... I thought it was a German agency. It turns out it's actually an Austrian agency that he's with. But they, most of the dealings they do is with Bundesliga teams, guys, teams like Wolfsburg. Double down, I'm echoing my thoughts. Kyogo's a tremendous player. We need to pull all the stops out to keep him. Transfer fees sometimes isn't as valuable as keeping a real good player. It's, you've got to balance the financial aspects and the importance to the team. It's something Celtic... Would you say we've got that right in recent years, Lloyd? Balancing the importance of players to the team to the potential financial gain because you also run the risk of players overstaying their welcome which can be a detriment to a team as we saw in the 10-0 season Yeah, that's just what came straight to my head the other night just as you said that James was the 10-0 season and obviously Edward and Iron that one to go but stayed that extra year and did we really get full market value for them? Probably not but we could have maybe got a bit more for Edward Iron maybe went for around about what I was expecting to go so you kind of, it's a thing that still rankles me the day the fact we sold Van Dyke for only 13 million. So, things like that, you need to, you really do need to start looking at the value of the player as well and thinking, can we get full value market? No, sorry, full market value for him. So, it's, yeah. it's something we need to start doing a lot better. Yeah, the thing is, when these big teams, whenever players have done amazing at Celtic go on to play for a big team, Brian, it's never directly from Celtic. There's always a middleman. There's always a team in the middle that takes the gamble and then makes all the big money. Jeremy Frimpong, we're going to see the case for him this summer. He's going to get a massive move. As Lloyd mentioned with Van Dyke, Southampton with the middleman, and then off he went to Liverpool for £75 million. We did still get a big payday from the sell-on fee, but we could have had so much more. Brian, how do we become the, the team that these big teams come to get the players off? Because Celtic are clearly rated highly. They've come in for a manager. A top-six Premier League team's come in and took a manager. But how do we remove the middleman and become the team that sells our players to the big teams for the big money? Can we ever be in that position? Well, first of all, you need to do it in the Champions League. The players need to show they can compete. They can dominate Scotland, but their perception, particularly in England, um, and, and probably most of the big leagues, is that Scotland's not a great league. So your average player from Germany could come and dominate Scottish football, would be the belief. I don't think that's accurate. I think it's been proven. It's not been the case in the past. So unless they, they 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 show it in the Champions League and they're scoring goals or they're playing really well against these level opponents, then the clubs might come in for them. Then you see that. But there's always I mean look, you talk about big clubs. Celtic are a big club and look at our, you know, are a lot of people's arrogance when we signed Ange initially. Some guy for Japan, we're Celtic, we should be signing more. So if you're Man United and they go, oh star signing. Abada for Celtic, they're going to go, what? So get played in Scotland. So, you know, we, we can't sit here and say, oh, that's terrible, woe is us, these guys should be sending from us, because we would do the exact same. Do you know what I mean? If your marketing training comes for the League Island, we're going to go, we should sending better than that. But is the league that much better? Do you know what I mean? So, it, it's it, again, it's a, it's a football issue. 
Um, and it's the perception of a, a big club. Celtic are one of the biggest clubs in the world. We're just not one of the richest. And we don't yeah. play in the best league. So I think sometimes our perceptions are a wee bit skewed. But I think, you know, like with the Van Dyke one, again, I think it's incredibly frustrating. But clearly, Liverpool, if they'd have signed him direct for Celtic, they'd have got the same player, but the reaction wouldn't have been the same. Whereas mm-hmm. two seasons in the Premier League, Liverpool fans are over the moon, best in half of the world, get him in. That's what it is. Yeah, that's our, our up. It's been a great conversation with the team. We've fallen down a few rabbit holes. So I've come out on a decent conversation. You can start yet. <laughs> There's been 800 of you guys following us the entire hour of the show. Be sure to hit the like button and subscribe if you have enjoyed. It's myself, Lloyd Jepson and Brian Digman. Thank you very much for joining me on this Friday Axon Bulletin. Network.